Lê, 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 lê. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going great. It it's, is going great. It is. I, I concur. Big week. Yes. Huge. <laughs> Gigantic. A big, big week. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually missed out. I I realized after we uh, stopped recording last week that we forgot to give a shout out to your guest spot on Enough, Andrew. I saw that when I signed when I re-signed into Skype. I saw that you guys <laughs> talked about that after I had left. But yeah, I was on uh, Patrick Roan's fabulous enough podcast on the 70 decibels or decibels as they say uh network which was very cool and um patrick i guess had just i'm a huge fan of patrick and mike hurley over there at 70 decibels and patrick roan of course is the curator and writer over at minimal mac as well as uh, various other blogs dealing with simplicity and technology and uh, his concept of enough that he focuses on. And uh, he also had some interests in the paleo diet and barefoot running, and he had uh, read the barefoot primer that I had put on my website. And um, so he asked me to come on and just kind of shed some light on the whole paleo thing. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was obviously a great privilege to be on such a prestigious audio program. So thank you um, to both of them for having me on, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. And I was actually just uh, interviewed today uh, for uh, the Tandem with the Random podcast. I saw that. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure there's a link to that. I don't know uh, when that episode's coming out, but I'll uh, definitely put that on there in the show notes or link to it on the site at some point when that happens. Um, and no one talks to me. Your, ti- <laughs> your time will come. Your time will come. They're all like, we, we like you guys. We just don't like that, like, angry fat guy i mean we, i mean i know it's not like video so we don't know but he just sounds fat <laughs> yeah that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it, it was fun i gave you a shout out matt and uh yeah brian kelly uh nice guy and hopefully uh i'll be able to get him as a guest on the podcast uh in the near fu- in the future because uh he's a he's a very passionate music fan as well cool that'd be grand so i feel like it's been been a good good week for music i feel like we're kind of getting into the the new releases season yeah of uh, sorts the one album i'm really looking forward to the most is uh the david byrne saint vincent collaboration yes the, oh that sounds awesome i don't think that's coming out until september though but yeah um same thing with the new dave matthews band album is not coming out until september as well but rich you showed me i think you tweeted it or something but you tweeted the the single, the free download for the song Who, what the David Byrne and St. Vincent. Yeah. And um, I had never, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, you know, as you do, as you are. And, um, but I hadn't listened to much of David Byrne's solo work. So, you know, when I went into, when I went to hit play, I was like, eh, you can see how this goes. I'm sure it won't be Talking Heads quality, but it was like really good. Like the, I forget, how does it start with the horns or whatever, but yeah. it just, it was, it was unexpected, I guess. I wasn't, it was not what I was expecting, but it was really good. And I love the way their vocal styles, uh, blend and complement each other. And so <laughs> I now too am very much looking forward to that. Yeah. 
I've, I've actually found David Byrne's solo stuff to be more hit or miss than Talking Heads. Mm. Though yeah. more hit than miss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when he's on, he's really, really on. Like, I love the uh, Grown Backwards album. That's the one that, like, I recommend to everybody. It's more orchestral. Mm-hmm. And there's a gorgeous cover of a Lamb Chop song on there called uh, The Man Who Loved Beer. Ooh. And there's also um, the, the single from that one was Glass, Concrete, and Stone, which I don't think got any airplay, but good goddamn, it was gorgeous. <laughs> yes. And uh, doesn't also have a guest spot, but I can never get the. The accordion on one of the songs is played by the accordion player. They might be Linnell. I, I wanted to say Linnell, but then I, my brain said, no, it's Flansburg. No, wait, it isn't. <laughs> I, I can never keep it straight. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think Pat Dillett, who does like a lot of the They Might Be Giants records, uh, engineered the album, I think. Cool. So, but yeah, it's like Linnell plays like guest accordion on there. And there's actually a few other like really cool guest people that I'm, I'm blanking on now, but. Yeah, yeah I, like, I know there's vocals by um, one of the opera. He does two opera arias, and, and it works. Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, I, I want to say, oh, darn it. I'm going to, I'm just going to look this up. <laughs> well, he does that. Uh, Feelings it's, is another really good one, too. Yeah. Like, that's got Devo on guest vocals, so. Yeah. Can't See, go wrong Vendre there. Tomplesant, uh, Tomplesant is, uh. Yeah, I figures I'd get a beach ball in here. <laughs> About to scroll down to it and safari beach balls. <laughs> we'll cut all this out. Time for the, time for that new Retina MacBook Pro. <sighs> okay, Rufus Wainwright. There we go. Mm. I wanted to say Loudon Wain, Loudon Wainwright the third, but I knew that was wrong. But I was at least half right. Yes, I got the right last name. Part of that whole giant musical family. Yeah, and. Yeah, the version I have has the uh, bonus track, uh, his uh, Burns collaboration with 2Express, Lazy, which is really, Amazing. really good as well. Yes, that's the, the version I have, too, and that's, like, such a cool song. It's, like, nine minutes, but it could probably go for another nine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But we need to get you into St. Vincent, Andrew. I know you're not familiar yeah. with her work, either. Yeah, I was I was not familiar, uh, but I loved what I heard on the, on that new track, so I'm looking forward to experiencing more of the St. Vincent. Yeah. yeah. Her, her voice like, is just what, amazing. Three albums. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Three albums. She's got, she had a single that came out on Record Store Day that I couldn't find. Yeah. But I downloaded it because I'm obsessive. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think it was just Cheerleader, though, wasn't it? No, it's something called Crocodile. And oh, okay. So. I kind of have a thing for a good female vocalist, so I think she will do well with me. Um, yeah. Beautiful voice. Brilliant musician. Um, just start with her first album, Marry Me, and go from there. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, and she shreds, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Do you guys like Regina Spector? I kind of go, like, hot and cold with her. It's, like, it, it's kind of funny, because, like, sometimes I, I dig her, and sometimes I think she's, like, trying a little too hard. Hmm. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I know nothing about her. I just know that people tweet about her occasionally and I guess a new album is coming out or just came out or something and yeah, uh, I think it just so I've been meaning out. to look into that. Just I think came it's out. called What We Saw From The Cheap Seats. I think that's the name uh, of it. Sounds about right. I, she's been on my list to check out and I've heard good things and I know she had a, a small guest appearance on Thomas Dolby's new album. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Uh, as the doing the voice uh, spoken bit as a Russian waitress in a diner on the song uh, Evil Twin Brother. Hmm. 
Wikipedia says her music is associated with the anti-folk scene centered in New York City's East Village. Interesting. It's kind of funny because like, when I think of anti-folk, I think of like Kimya Dawson and uh, Moldy Peaches, whom I loathe. <laughs> when I think of anti-folk, I think of King Missile, who are linked with that as well. Oh, and King, King Missile. Miss- yes, they are. <laughs> and I'm kicking myself because apparently I, about a year or two ago, they did a reunion show with their first guitar player at the Bowery Poetry Club. Oh, Dogmall? Yeah. And oh, I wow. had, and I heard nothing about this. There was no announcement because I would have done whatever I had to do to get up there to see them play. I only found out about it when just on a random YouTube search for King Missile, I found live video of them playing with Dog Bowl. I'm just, what? 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 Oh, no. Because <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get to see them live. I don't know what. Devastating. What, I don't know what John S. Hall is doing, but he's just not making music and writing and publishing stuff. And I know he was like a lawyer now. I think he dropped, he stopped doing that. Oh, okay. Well, I know he doesn't have his law firm anymore, but uh, it's interesting, actually. I remember when he had his law firm, I, I was looking at his client list. He focused on entertainment law and he was representing one of my favorite vocalists, Cathal Coughlin. Oh, wow. Of the uh, Fatima Mansions? Yes. How weird that is that? Cathal Coughlin? Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah, I know he was also repping uh, the Trantenberg family slideshow players, who, who I love. The reason I, I brought, I remember many, many years ago, I tried doing this, like, chart or listing all the, showing all the connections between the bands and the artists I love. Mm. I lost, I lost the original file for that, but it was getting pretty complicated. <laughs> yeah, I think I had the same idea to do that, because back when I first got into music and Dave Matthews Band was my first true musical love i all of the all of my branching out musically came from musicians that had collaborated with or otherwise guested with the dave matthews band so it's interesting how one band leads you to another band which leads you to another band kind of like wikipedia it's i think it's one of those obsessive nerdiness things yeah yeah <laughs> i think i kind of was thinking about doing something like that I, I never started but doing something like that with like the seattle bands that i like because pretty much like the young fresh fellows are the hub and it's like one where it's like, you know, they would, you know, you know, you know, uh, Kurt joined from the Fastbacks and I love the Fastbacks. And then like Kim, uh, Kim from the Fastbacks was in VizQueen for a while. And, and it, then you have like, you know, like the presidents who worked with, you know, you know, uh, Tad, like Chris and Tad from the Fellows had a record. And it just kind of goes on from there. And it's like almost kind of ridiculous how many, like, how I guess like, incestuous that scene is but in a good way mm. so in summary we are nerds <laughs> huge nerds you're just figuring that one out now though it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> though though for sheer nerdery you, you should have seen the, the jonathan colton show that i was at yeah oh yeah how was that very fun um but just to give you an idea of the crowd there was a woman in the crowd who had point who had pointy ears not prosthetic pointy ears she actually, it, 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 well, maybe there were really, really good prostheses, prostheses but, uh, no, it looked like she actually had them surgically modified to be pointy. Hmm. Like Spock pointy or elf pointy? Elf pointy. Oh, okay. Key distinction. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John Roderick was in rare form. Very, very fun show. Um, He's the best. Yeah. Uh, I gave, I, I bought a hug from him for five bucks. <laughs> nice. I got the free handshake, I think. Were the handshakes free in the, at the Brooklyn show? I don't remember. Either way, I got it for free. 
Yeah, I only had I only had seven bucks on me, so I couldn't buy a CD. So I bought a so I bought a hug. Mm-hmm. And there's a photo that is hilarious, and I'll probably put that in the show notes. I saw that photo. That's an awesome photo. Yeah, but it's also hilarious. Yeah, because he is a very large man. He is a large man. <laughs> Though I don't know if he's just, I don't know if he's taller than you, Matt. Probably not. I don't know. It's because I I've not actually gotten to like meet him yet or anything like that. So I've just seen him on the stage, but. He does strike an imposing presence in a very nice, friendly way. Yes. <laughs> He's burly. Yes. It's like, I will kick your ass with hugs. <laughs> For five bucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually seeing another show tonight. This has been a busy month for shows. I'm seeing a band called Letter Est. Letter Est. Letter Est. Who I've heard very good things about. And next week, I'm seeing Freeze Pop. Oh, awesome. Yes, I love Freeze Pop, and their their newest album is really Pop. good. Um, I, I guess I'll do a pick for the of them in a maybe if, uh, but they are synth pop. Um, their early stuff sounds kind of like video game music because they had this uh, it was built all around this little uh, all in one music synthesizer called the QY seven zero. But uh, with uh, their third album, they started expanding their sound, and uh, it's very very rich, very danceable. Uh, very fun synth synth pop music. Yeah, and weren't wasn't like one of them in uh I can never remember if it was Barcelona or my favorite. Uh I don't think so. Okay. So I remember there was some connection between one of those two bands and uh Barcelona. Or maybe it was another band that I really liked, like Splashdown or something. I don't know. Well if there was a connection between them and Barcelona, it might have just been a sort of a stylistic thing. They get they got they were they worked in very similar veins. That's true, yeah. And, and for we're reference not talking about Oh. Not the, the current Barcelona. It's yes, we're talking about the good band Barcelona. The yeah. sadly defunct uh, Washington, D.C.-based band. Yeah, I'm so sad that there's, like, a band called Barcelona who's actually getting popular, and they're, like... So it's, like, whenever I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Barcelona. Not those guys, though. It's like, aww. <laughs> I always, like, I'll, I'll do that. I'll double-take. I'll see it in, in, like, the Barcelona thing. and be like, oh, shit, they have a Barcelona section. There's a new record. Aww. No. <laughs> Take that, new Barcelona band. Yes. Get a new name. And the new Rush album came out this week, which is huge, which I'm not going to say anything about other than it's fantastic, and I will probably be talking about it next week. So stand by, Rush fans. And brace yourself, non-Rush fans, <laughs> for some serious pain. Bracing. <laughs> are, are, are we going to find out about Capital R Reason? About what? Capital R Reason. I don't know, are we? I don't know. No, I just remember... That was a joke I missed. <laughs> oh, sorry. I... um. Well, I know that uh, Rush at least used to be huge, like objectivists. And oh, is with the Ayn Rand stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I remember, I remember like getting a Rush record in at my uh, college station. So this was whatever one came out in like probably like two thousand, two thousand one. And I remember flipping through the liner notes and seeing like you know everywhere the word reason would show up in liners, it was capital R. Interesting. And I was yeah, just I sort of that, like, uh, yeah. 2112, I believe, was de- was dedicated to Ayn Rand, and I know that it was a big influence on Neil Peart, who's the drummer and lyricist. And um, but I just read an interview, I think, in Rolling Stone about the new album, and he said that he has obviously moved away from that sort of uh, line of thinking. But at the time, when he was, you know, in his 20s and trying to make it as a musician, it spoke to him. So, which I found very interesting. Yeah, I, I think with like. Uh like Ayn Rand and objectivism, I think it's sort of a, when you're a young nerd, you can, I can kind of see where you'd be drawn to that. 
But I think if you're the older you get, the more it kind of means you're probably a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Or or uh, Pendulette. Yeah. There was was another interview with Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson, and they were asked about, I think it was a 2009 interview, and they were asked about do the Ayn Ayn Rand Rand influences still hold water with them? And they were like, no, not really. It was just at the time, it was really... uh, her, I, I don't know what it is, her treatise, her her essay on art that really spoke to them in particular, which makes sense. We're going to get a lot of angry emails for this. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> huh, I'm sorry, objectivists out there. I, I, I just don't really come to that philosophy. We welcome your rage. Yes. <laughs> One star reviews on iTunes. Here we come. <laughs> Some podcasts do very well with low reviews. <laughs> yeah, hey, if it works, if the talk show gets listeners with one star reviews. But did you guys listen to? I don't know if you listened to the talk show, Matt. But do you guys? Did you guys listen to the live from WWDC episode? I did. I, I did not. <laughs> I found um, the background noise in that recording to be horrendously distracting. Yeah, I was actually having this discussion with um, the. Uh, uh, with Brian Kelly of Tandem with the Random, because he used to do a, show, a podcast with it, did a lot of live recordings. Hmm. I think I'm definitely, we're, I'm glad we're definitely sticking to studio based, if you call this a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we're ever in the same location at the same time, obviously we'll have to do a live broadcast. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. In front yeah. of an audience of strangers. Mm-hmm. We'll, fi- we'll see what happens. Yeah. And if we can all um, get to New York, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, all do, we'll do that. We'll have an easier time than Matt will. <laughs> yeah. I do like the talk show, and I do like John Gruber quite a bit. So, but that episode was annoying. Maybe what we can do is like you guys can like go rent a thing in in uh, Manhattan somewhere, and then I'll just be in via video Skype, and you know, we'll have like a little laptop like next to you guys, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll look like uh, uh, watching this week in tech. Yeah. Hi, this week on Crush on Radio, we're talking about other podcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, if we did that, I could like see about getting like some like animated lines behind me so it's all Max Headroom. Oh, you can do like the uh, Max Headroom hijack uh, incident. Oh, in the, it, oh, yeah, and get like, what was it, like sh- like metal sheeting or something, I think they did. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes because that's worth that's, seeing. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Actually, so so's the real uh, Max Headroom. Have, have either of you guys watched Max Headroom? Bits and pieces. No. Okay. It's a really good series, and uh, I think Shout Factory just released the complete se- uh, se- series of it on DVD. So oh, neat. definitely check it out. It's very much ahead of its time, and also really just a really great show. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I sh- I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, too. Let me uh, jot that down. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's venture this conversation back to music. Actually, Wait, Max Edrum, Max Edrum actually did have a single with Art of Noise. Yes. So there you go. Pa- paranoia, paranoia. However paranoia. the hell you pronounce that. Something. Paranoia. So what are we talking about this week? We are talking about guilty pleasures, mm. which are the best kind of pleasures. Nasty habits you must condone. No one knows what I do when I'm all at home. And for what it's worth, Oingo Boingo is not one of my guilty pleasures. I feel no guilt. Ditto. Ditto. Mm-hmm. We might have to have several future installments of the Guilty Pleasure series. 
quite possibly. Well, I definitely want to revisit live albums again, too, but we'll, ah, that's yes, of course. we'll get to that. Um, so let's see. This is episode seven, so I guess it's, we're back around to me. Um, totally. My pick this week is um, an album that we probably you might all know, but not know. It's the album 90125 by Yes, which was their... Well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm a... I'm a Yes fan. I'm not a huge Yes fan, but I am a Yes fan. Same. But I like early Yes. I like Fragile and Close to the Edge and those nice, and their big, real, proper progressive period where they do like sidelong album suites of music. And 90125 is the, is a very different Yes. It's still got some prog, but it's really more just a, it's more of a straight pop album. And it was produced by Trevor Horn. Which is, who, uh, is a very famous music producer in his own right and half of the group The Buggles, or Just Buggles. Matt, you'll know better than I do. Is it The Buggles or Just Buggles? Um, I think it's Just Buggles, but I, I don't think that they're as anal about it as, say, like, Talking Heads are. Right. Anyway, and it's, it's an interesting backstory to the record in that Horn and Jeff Downs, uh, who wore the, who wore Buggles, ended up becoming members of Yes in 1980 for their album Drama after uh, Rick Wakeman and John Anderson quit. And they put out a record uh, as as Yes when, after that, it sort of fell apart because of problems with the tour. And so in the early 80s, uh, somehow or another, Yes fell back together with a slightly different lineup. But then again, Yes has never had a consistent lineup. But John Anderson got back on behind the mic, and somehow they, and for some reason, they brought Trevor Horn in to produce, and they w- became a pop band. And the most famous song on the album is probably "Owner of a Lonely Heart," which we'll hear a little bit of now. Yes, the very distinctive orchestra hit. Yes. <laughs> the very distinctive, very abused orchestra hit. <laughs> There's a great bit from Mystery Science Theater where uh, Tom Serv... Are you a Mystery Science Theater fan, Andrew? Um, from the I've seen very little of it, but I have laughed when I've seen it. Okay. So there's a bit in an episode where it uh, starts out with Tom Servo going on this extended diatribe about the owner of a lonely heart versus stuff like, say, the owner of a perfectly functional cheese slicer. <laughs> <laughs> and it go- eventually they start getting just assaulted by the uh, orchestra hit. <laughs> I'll throw a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> Please do. I know that that's the, the thing I always think of when I, I uh, think of um, owner of a lonely heart. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like usurped the real song in my brain. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, this album is just, I love it. It's cheesy as absolute hell. I mean, so it's, it's a very dated production uh, album production wise, but it, it's got its charm. And I think it, it's real, it's also just really well performed, well produced. I mean, it's yes. It, they, they don't get sloppy. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that, uh, I mean, like I, like you said, Rich, I'm a, 
I'm a Yes fan, but I'm not a huge Yes fan. I mean, Roundabout, obviously one of the greatest bass lines of all time. I've got an isolated bass track in the show notes. Um, Chris Squire on bass there on his Rickenbacker, Bacher. And um, obviously for me, coming from a more progressive bass player, rocks point of view, I prefer the progressive Yes, um, like on Fragile. Um, and this sounded to me like what Yes would sound like if they were an 80s pop synth band. Um, and you know, it was good. I would obviously reach for roundabout before I reached for only over, only over lonely heart, but you know, I probably wouldn't change the channel if I was listening and it came on the radio or anything. Meh. Yeah. I think the cheesiest track on here is, uh, our song. I don't know. Did you get a chance to listen to that one? I think I did listen. I listened to the whole album one way through, but nothing really stuck with me. Let me pull it up here. Yeah. I actually liked our song. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. It's, it's a fun song, but it's, it's cheese. It's, I think it's the cheesiest the, uh, it gets on there. And, I mean, it, it's, 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 they're singing about Toledo. No offense to anyone who lives in Toledo, but it's not a, ci- a city you think of when you think of big rock cities. Ah, <laughs> uh, crap. Between, you know, we're, we're really going to get it from the Toledo objectivists now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know what the problem is I have with this album is every time I go to look at the album title, I always think Beverly Hills 90125. <laughs> 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 Which I've never even seen that show. Yeah. No, but apparently, the nine hundred one two five was the album's uh, catalog yeah, number or catalog. Okay. Yeah. Well, the question is, did they give it the catalog? Did they name the album after the catalog number, or did they name the catalog number after the album? I think it. I think it's that they named the album after the catalog. Cause that's that's the story I'd always heard with it is that it was like that was the 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 section that the Yes Records were under on their. Uh, record companies like cataloging system because a lot of times well bands will have like a prefix like if they have a lot of records so but i i i i don't know if that that could be apocryphal i don't know yeah and it, it's listed as being titled after it on the wikipedia page but then again that's wikipedia yeah so it's always right is what you're saying yes <laughs> yes <laughs> uh also apparently the album uh my version's missing a song called um Called Yes is Terrible. Uh, it's apparently track six on the uh, second side. Uh, wait, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, Yes is Terrible. It's awesome. You should really, you know, it's too bad you got you didn't get that the record with that one on there because I mean that's like that's the best thing they've ever recorded. I mean, I, I love Yes is Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, seriously, what did what did you think of this one, uh, Matt? Because I know you're not you're not familiar with Yes at all, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, well, I'm, I, I know they exist, and I've heard bits of them, you know, but I've never real like I don't own any Yes records. Uh, Rich and I were kind of talking about this after this after last week's show, and he was saying like, I'm totally choosing Yes, <laughs> and I was like, sort of like, yeah, I, I honestly, this is like the first Yes record I've actually sat down and listened to. So, and I mean, I, I know that it's not, it's not par for the par for the Yes course. So it's like uh, the Toledo objective is Yes fans don't have to get too up in arms. <laughs> Um, like, uh, I, it's kind of funny because like, um, uh, like really like sitting down with like, uh, owner of a lonely heart, like I, I kind of forgot about like the, 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 the orchestral hit thing. And so it was like kind of funny when, you know, I, they, you get the, uh, the bit, um, uh, that, uh, Weird Al uses in Hooked on Polkas, which is in the show notes. If you've not heard the Polka medley from the uh, Dare to be Stupid record where it like does the and it goes kind of like into the either a 
we're not going to take her in the Lawrence Welk uh, polka, like theme song polka. But it's like really, you know, but it's like kind of funny. It's like, so when I heard that in the real song, it was sort of like, oh, okay, that's where he got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, like actually, and the, the funny thing is, is the, the, the album as a whole, which I, I listened to, uh, straight through as, as well, um, is that it really reminds me of like later era tubes, like especially the, uh, uh, the, uh, completion backwards principle record. And I've, I've thrown in a couple of tubes things in the show notes, of, um, as well, but basically the, uh, the thing with, uh, completion backwards is that it was like their first record for Capitol records. And the, the tubes, like up until that point, almost every record was a concept record, like mo- more along the th- lines of a theme rather than a uh, like a story or anything. And uh, the, the theme for that one was basically um, the idea that uh, Bill Spooner, the uh, songwriter of the tubes, had found a manual on how to write the perfect pop song. And so they, you know, made this record adhering, you know, very closely to the principles espoused in this manual. Uh, manual doesn't actually exist, and uh, the title "Completion Backwards Principle" should give you some uh, idea as to how that they wrote it. And it was basically basically a bunch of um, rewrites of songs that were popular on the radio at the time. And as it turned out, it turned out to be a big hit record. The 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 thing that you know is sold the most Tubes records to that time, and uh, basically Capital told them to keep doing that. <laughs> but it was like kind of funny because I would like. Um, at work, sometimes I would listen uh, to the stuff that, you know, we were playing and uh, I know what a concept. <laughs> and like on some of the hot AC stations, I would like hear songs that I hadn't really thought of. And I'd be like, oh, well, that's totally whatever tube song that is, you know. So I just thought that that was like kind of funny. And I it's sort of along that same lines. Like, I, I think that uh, the Yes record, I'm not I don't remember which one came first. I think the Yes record did, but it seems really kind of along that same lines that the uh, either yes was kind of doing that or that the tubes were all like, like the, you know, owner of a lonely heart and stuff like that has really, you know, uh, taken flight. So that was like at least one of the sources. Um, like uh, as for the, the actual record itself, instead of talking about the tubes all the time, <laughs> um, I really like I, the thing that I kind of noticed is that a lot of the songs had like, really cool openings like owner um it can happen with the weird within you without you thing changes like they all like kind of had like these really cool openings that kind of led into kind of straightforward 80s pop rock (laughs) which was kind of interesting i i um i i kind of dug that although i have to say that uh like our song was another one that i thought was really tubesy but like i thought the album kind of petered out the end like i did not like city of love and hearts i thought was kind of boring but but like the like basically the first what seven tracks of the album I think are pretty pretty solid. Yeah. It maybe in a cheesy sort of way, but there are, there's nothing wrong with little cheese now and then. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I didn't I did notice that within you without you at the beginning of it can happen. Also, is that intentional? I would think so because I mean it's a it's sitar and it's a very, very similar close. riff, and yeah. so I mean I'm I'm thinking it was a a, a, a intentional you know joke, oh, but but yeah, it's like if not you know it's sort of like embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article on, on "It Can Happen" and I'm not seeing anything about uh, the, that little sitar intro. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite moments on the on the album that that sitar. Yeah, yeah, where it kind of has like the kind of thing, and then it goes into the actual melody of the song. So. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I am I I am pro uh, nine zero two one five at least. Okay, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's not outright bad, but it's you know, it's it's really good. It's really yeah. I just think it's just so so cheesy and and a little and so cliche because you owner of a lonely heart is has sort of ingrained itself in popular culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not just with the MST3K bit, but you know, I think almost anyone over a certain age knows that orchestra hit. <laughs> yeah, or at least the you know owner of a lonely heart kind of mm-hmm. book, you know. Which I mean, I knew going in, it was like just sort of like you know one of those things that you always think of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for a while I didn't even know that. Yes, did that song and not like I didn't know that the people that wrote Owner of a Lonely Heart are the same people that also wrote Roundabout. And well, uh, they are and they aren't because I think most of the songs on this were written by their new guitar player, Trevor Rabin. Right, right. And there's actually, I need to pick this album up just for curiosity's sake. He put out an album called 90124, which was all his uh, demos uh, for. What became 90125 and a few other songs. Uh, I'll, I'll throw that in the show notes as well. And, you know, so that reminds me, can we talk a little bit about the cover art for this? <laughs> I kind of like it in a very sim- simple sort of way. Oh, no, it's, it's all yeah. right. But, yeah, the, the, the cover art for Trevor Rabin's 90124 album is just, it, it, it somehow, it makes it look ter- it, it's It's the same basic design made terrible. Oh, oh my God, it's the same exact thing, except it's brown. But that—that's enough. That's enough. That—that—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to these things. And the colors are in different order. Yeah, but just—it looks so much cheesier. Color this done this way. <laughs> that is not a handsome brown. No. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. I'll throw that in the show notes. Uh, to the Wikipedia article on nine zero one two four. So uh, I guess any any other comments on on yes? No. Nah. You can say no. I won't consider it a pun. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I I, I just brought up because um, I, I was trying to Google the this site too, and I brought up his new record sleeve, uh, Jacarin, Jacaranda, and oh. that's pretty terrible too. And I'm I'm now seeing the nine hundred one two four record, which is also pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, actually, his website is pretty terrible too. So it, it, he uses papyrus. I think we're ready to move on to the next pick. <laughs> I think so. A- A- Andrew, I think this is you. Uh, so <laughs> my guilty pleasure album, one of several, is Europop by Eiffel 65. And uh, this is the band that put out the sort of infamous Euro dance track, Blue, parenthetical, Da Ba D. Um, and I don't think we're going to play that for you guys because it's pretty annoying. But I was really into that song when I was little. And uh, according to Wikipedia, Eiffel 65 is an Italian three-piece Euro dance group formed in 1998 and best known for pioneering pitch correction and auto-tune, as well as their international hit, Blue, which is kind of interesting. Um, but so the, what I have to say in defense of this album is that I don't listen to very much Euro dance, but when I'm in the mood for Euro dance music, Partially because this is the only album I have in that genre, but I always reach for this album. And, um, Blue, like most, like many hit singles, is probably the weakest track on the album, but it is the most infectious and the most annoying. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the album, as far as, you know, Italian techno dance music goes, is really good. And I don't know much about Italian techno dance music, but, um, 
I could listen to this whole record from start to finish, uh, despite it being bookended by Blue and then a extended cut of Blue at the end. Um, but I think the track that I picked out was Living in a Bubble for you guys, so we will play a portion of that now. And um, I don't know why I picked this track. I think I meant to pick too much of Heaven. Um, but they're all really good. Uh, and they just groove. And they're just fun tracks to listen to. And they're kind of cheesy. I mean, My Console is a song about PlayStation games. And um, which is, you know, not the deepest musical topic there is. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it other than, you know, it's a great Guilty Pleasure album. And Too Much of Heaven in particular. What are my other favorites here? Uh, Living in a Bubble is good. My Console is a Guilty Pleasure. Um, chanting P-L-A-Y-S-T-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, and The Edge is a good good dance track. I don't know. I just like it. You guys have any thoughts? Were you experienced in the blue back in the day? Uh, I definitely missed out on the first time around, and I'm not complaining about that either. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, it, it, this was an interesting experience. I mean, I'm not un uh, un this yeah. Try that again. I'm not unfamiliar with the style of music. Yeah. Um, for a while, Sparks uh put out a couple albums in the in the sort of Euro pop Euro dance vein. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably the most famous being uh, I think it was nine was it ninety five Matt? Uh, yeah, I think so. You're talking about Gratuitous Sax. Yeah, Gratuitous Sax and Senseless Violins, which uh, has to win something for the most pun filled album title. Mm-hmm. It's a good album title. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, it was either 93 or 95. No, yeah, I think 93 was, I think, uh, the first move in that direction with the, uh, single, um, uh, National Crime Awareness Week. Oh, okay, okay. Which is a great song, too. Yeah. So, again, I was, I'm not unfamiliar with the style. It's done well. In fact, uh, one song, Your Clown, stuck out at me as being sort of like, uh, if this makes sense to anyone other than me. On all, what Depeche Mode would have sounded like in an alternate, in an alternate universe if they hadn't gone all dark and depressing. And I like, I like the dark Depeche Mode. Well, I like everything up to Violator after Violator Depeche Mode doesn't do much for me. Yeah. The, uh, your clan is sort of like, uh, they're the alternate, ver- alternate universe version of that of say Vince Clark had stayed with the band. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this album ranks as far as Italian Euro dance music goes. I guess I'm looking at the Wikipedia article and I guess it, did fairly well in Europe. Eiffel 65 achieved considerable success in Italy, the rest of Europe, and Canada. Europop peaked in the top five on the Billboard 200 and was at the top of the Much Music Countdown and sold over two million units. Blue peaked at number six on the Billboard charts. So I guess they got some artistic merit to themselves. Yeah. My, I have one big problem with this record, though. Um, I wanna, I'm curious to know if you can guess what it is, Andrew. Uh, I can't. Okay. Well, you mentioned it it's when not you're, good. Yeah, you mentioned when you're talking about uh, the band themselves and what they're famous for. I can't stand the vocals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Sense. I, I've never been a fan of that auto-tune. I, it's weird. I have this odd relationship with auto-tune because I love vocoders. Mm-hmm. You know, that... Robot voice, like, uh, on, yeah. you listen to a Kraftwerk record, like, 
We are the robots. Do, 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 do. I, I love vocoders. I love, uh, in fact, my favorite Neil Young album is Trans, which is like half, uh, electronic vocoder music, which is an interesting choice for Neil Young. Um, I'll probably have to make that a pick one, one time, except that Matt and I are both going to gush over that record. <laughs> yeah. He was um, sued over it because it didn't sound like Neil Young. <laughs> but, uh, so this is, uh, such a, I'm, I'm not, you, I'm, I'm, eh. So I like vocoders. I like treated vocals. But this was just so much and so tweaked and so awkward. Yeah. I mean, what was that Cher song? Did that come out before this or after this uh, with her voice all weirded out? I believe was the song. Um, I think that I think that was slightly after or around the same time, I think. Right. And I'm, I'm, I remember hearing that song everywhere and just going, I can't. What? No. What? No. No. Yeah. That, that, I don't know what it is. I, I can do vocoders. I can do weird vocal treatments, but pitch shifting and this and that. But something mm-hmm. about that hard pitch correction just goes, just makes my brain hurt. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I don't think I realize, I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of auto tune unless you're auto tuning like somebody. I kind of like it when people are talking and they auto tune it to make it into a quote unquote song. Uh, yes, the auto tune the news videos are awesome. Yes, the auto tune yeah. the news videos and stuff. Um, the show notes too. Or, or, or did you see the um, the Mister Rogers one, uh, Garden of Your Mind? I might. Yeah. Have. Yes, that that's awesome. Yeah, I'll throw yeah. that in the show notes. Okay. There are a couple good auto tune ones. I forget what one is that I'm thinking of, but anyway. But uh, yeah, I don't think I realized that this was like an auto-tuned album because to me it kind of like if you take like a like a non-techno non-dance song and put auto-tuned vocals on it i think it clashes a lot more whereas with this it kind of it made it fit a little bit better for me because the music itself is kind of synthetic and uh and dance oriented and stuff so the auto-tuned vocals don't offend me as much because it's i mean i'm not really listening to this for the great lyrical or vocal uh, delivery. Um, but I can see how that would grate on one's nerves. Yeah. I'm just very picky when it comes to vocals. Mm. And I, fr- and I freely admit this, despite the fact that I listen to stuff with such really odd vocal styles. But we mentioned the Shanks in the previous episode. They, they can't even sing. <laughs> so, okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pass this one off to Matt. Cause I, I'm genuinely curious what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. This is this is to you guys what uh or this is to me what fetus was to you guys. <sighs> I like okay, basically like going in, I only knew blue because um it was all over and I remember yeah. being, you know, like when this come out in like uh ninety nine, I think. This is ninety well the group formed in ninety eight and I think this is their first record, so yeah. Okay, so like around ninety nine I, I remember watching uh there was this music video channel called The Box. I don't know if y'all know that one because mm-hmm. it was heard of it. okay. It was it was kind of short lived, and basically the thing with The Box is that uh, you could call in and request videos, and it was kind of cool because they would have like you know they would have like the runner at the bottom of the screen. You could also search their website, mm-hmm. and basically if you paid your buck ninety nine or whatever, they would play your video. I know this because I would request weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and basically it would just go into the queue and they would, they would play it. But, um, for whatever reason, uh, blue was in high rotation on, on the, on the box. 
Yeah, the link to the music video will be in the show notes. Yeah. And so I would I would listen to it and I'd go like, oh my god, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and but the thing is, is is if you remember when like back when I was talking about Chumbawamba, I had that same reaction to Tub Thumping, and now I really like the song Tub Thumping. Yeah. So and again, like they they were around the same time. And I haven't listened to I, you know, to you know, Blue in about that same amount of time. You know, I like basically until this week, I hadn't really sought Blue out since. No. That. And as it turns out, I still hate that fucking song. <laughs> um, it is pretty bad. Yeah. Well, the the head bobbing aliens in the video are pretty cool. I'll take your word for it. I, I thought they were pretty <laughs> awful too. Honestly, back in the day, watching the box. Um. And the, look at these track suits. <laughs> These guys look so good. <laughs> um, but anyway, though, so, but like, I know, I, I know too, is like, sometimes, you know, it is like, you know, the single isn't the best track. Sometimes it's sort of a, a bait and switch kind of thing. And so I was thinking, you know, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the rest of the album will be okay. <laughs> and as it turns out, uh, I hated the entire thing. Um, I'm so sorry. I thought that Living in a Bubble was indeed the best track just because the auto-tune was so thick, the vocals just came out as gibberish. <laughs> because, like, that, for me, that was it. Is like, the, the singing and quasi-rapping was so bad, yeah. and the lyrics were just terrible. <laughs> so anything ma- masking the, the lyrics was a good thing, I thought. And so, so I, unlike Rich, I, I didn't have a problem with the auto-tune. But like honestly, this is the only album so far that I've I've had to delete off my hard drive as soon as I was done. <laughs> I was like, it was like the there there were some kind of cool synth sounds and such, and I mean they were like really generic. But I mean, you know, sometimes generic is generic for a reason. But yeah, holy Christ, the graphic! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, just stop! <laughs> Did you make it all the way through? No. <laughs> okay. How I far did you make... get? Like just the first half? About yeah, and about about half of those tracks I I, I skipped about halfway through. <laughs> That's pretty I was, awesome. I was like, holy shit! I can't take this terrible music anymore. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say it, but it's like it was true. I just I could not take it. I was like, oh my god, this is like my own personal room 101. <laughs> I would take the rat. <laughs> That's kind of the reaction I was anticipating, so I think I win this episode. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this, can... is, this, is, this is our punishment for uh, for the Devo record last week, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> How does it well, feel, boys? Well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well we should probably leave this record behind then <laughs> and move on yeah to pink to so, so the route uh the the stuff that you guys probably hated <laughs> opposite color from my pick yes um, yes i mean but um like uh with pink i've never actually bought a pink record but um working in radio as as i do i i get you know lots and lots of promo singles and so i i would get you know the the pink promo singles and i i um, you know, basically, I uh, I don't do this at work anymore, but I used to put together uh, the hit CDs that we would send out to folks. So I would have to listen to listen to everything, get you know the information on it, figure out what the hook was, so we could put that on the CD and everything. And so I would listen to basically, you know, most everything that came in. Um, there were a few things I didn't have to listen to because it was something like you know 
Here, here's Billy Bob's, Joe Bob's garage rock, you know, country jazz mashup that, you know, you know, isn't going to get any airplay. So you just like, you know, throw the single out. And then if it, by some fluke, it happens on the chart, they probably sent you another three or four or so, you know, <laughs> but so, but with like big artists, you know, you, cause I mean, pink, you, you know, that she's going to go on the thing cause she's going to chart no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I would um, listen to those and I actually found myself kind of liking a lot of the pink singles. So I would actually like scroll them away from my, for myself, like the audio, like once I would like, uh, you know, get them, you know, ripped for our clients and stuff. I, I would usually keep a copy of the pink singles and uh, probably of the ones that I, I still have uh, uh, you and my, your hand is my favorite. So let's hear a little bit of that. Now. I know it's all, you know, image and and that kind of thing, but I do kind of like that. Um, I guess Pink's image is more of a, uh, it's kind of a quasi, you know, feminist sort of thing. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, I, but I guess you can probably call it, you know, at least at least as feminist as you're probably going to get in a lot of pop music, yeah. where it is very much, you know, like like I mean, the entire song is. Uh, you know, I'm not here for your entertainment and and stuff like that, where it's basically, you know, leave me alone and let me, you know, drink in this bar here and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, I, I think there's there is that. And and I don't know. I, I mean, not all the singles are, are really great. Like, I, I know I include Glitter in the Air, which is kind of eh, but um, but I, I don't know. It's like I, I think, you know, in terms of pop music, like. You know, she's somewhere on the, you know, continuum between, say, like a, a, a Britney Spears or Katy Perry, who I don't like at all, and Lady Gaga, who I legitimately do like, and which is why she's not on the Guilty Pleasures, because I'm like, I have no guilt about Lady Gaga. I, I even reviewed her new record on Keys Knees when it came out. You know, it's like, nice. I legitimately love Lady Gaga. So I, I, I kind of put her somewhere on that continuum, probably a little closer to the Lady Gaga end, but still... You know, and I remember like listening to stuff like this uh, at, when I was at work and getting dirty looks from people. So, like, oh my God, you're listening to this? <laughs> I'd be like, that's good. <laughs> uh, the the thing that I also find funny is when I was in college, my advisor actually really liked Pink, and I would give her so much shit over it. And then it turns out that like once I actually started like having to listen to Pink, I actually realized that she's not that bad. So, uh, sorry, Joanne. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? <laughs> Is this your own personal Room 101 as well? Are are you guys voting for the rat? No. I mean, Pink is fine. I don't know. She, it, It's good. I mean, it has nothing to do with me is my thing. I mean, um, you know, they're good as far as pop songs go. And my dad and his girlfriend actually listen to their fair share of Pink on Palladia and stuff, which I don't really understand. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, they're good. They're good pop songs. They're good. I... I agree with you when you put her in the in the spectrum of female pop artists, uh, Matt. And uh, 
I don't I don't have much to much to say about it just cuz I know all these songs cuz I've heard them, you know, on the radio and they're not the worst things I've ever heard, but they just don't really have anything to do with me. Um so I don't know, Rich, do you have any thoughts? Um kind of the same. I mean, I I remember I'm listening to the I listen I listen to a lot of music at work uh with my headphones and I mean, that's what I put on put on Pink the other day just to refresh my memory and I first thing I do is turn it down. Because I'm worried that someone's going to... I mean, I know people can hear my stuff through my headphones when I'm walking around. I don't keep it that loud, but... I, I've gotten some weird looks over what I've been listening to, and this one I just... I, I was so... I it, I felt... I, I honestly felt properly guilty putting this on. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah. I, it it could have been a hell of a lot worse. I mean, I'm not a big fan of modern pop in general, and I remember when she was big... um. It was around the time when I was in high school, um, and I mean, I don't know. I, pop music in that t- time period in general was pretty awful. I mean, maybe it's just me. No, I, I'd, I'd go along with that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, thank you. Um, so this was just in that whole area of music that I just refused to even uh, try. In fact, I used to work at Radio Shack, and they would have uh, a, this DVD of music videos there wasn't any Pink songs on there, but it was all like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and this and that. And oh, I hated when they ha- having to have that on. Though I will say there was at least one good song on that uh, disc, which was uh, uh, "At the River" by Groove Armada. Do mm. you, if you know that one? Vaguely, but yeah. Okay, so whenever that came on, so I was like, oh, thank God. Anyway, so listen, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, especially you and your hand. Um, I can. I appreciate the sentiment of the lyrics. It's a, it's, I was, I was kind of weirded out by the fact that, was, that oh, everything that you sent us was radio, were radio edits. <laughs> well, again, promo singles. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, it, I wanted to protect your ears. Yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening, and she, and it, it's very clear what the next rhyme's gonna be. And the second, you know, like, wait, was this, I, I actually sent you an IM trying to check to see if there was something wrong with the MP3. <laughs> like, huh? Because I know you're you're definitely not opposed to uh, to swearing. <laughs> Only I may swear. That's the thing. <laughs> um, I think I'm most aggravated by the fact that you and your hand is stylized capital U space plus sign space capital U lowercase r space hand. <laughs> yeah, that's I've always, egregious. Yeah, I mean. She's not Prince. She she can't get away with that shit. But then again, Pink, I guess, is now stylized P exclamation point N K. That's true too. Yeah. Which we could pretend to pronounce phonetically. <laughs> P Ink. <laughs> I sort of have a love hate relationship with bands that do that because I mean, one of my favorite Devo songs is "Girl You Want," which is "Girl" the letter U want, and mm. which you know I I can I'm willing to let that slide. But on their last album, they put out a song called "Something." S U M T H I N apostrophe. Ooh. And just, that, that one bugged me too. At least there's an apostrophe. Yeah. I mean, it's a good song, but just, God damn it, Jerry, it's 2012. You're a 60 something year old man. Spell it out. Yeah. I'm uh, extremely picky about my typography and my stylization in my iTunes metadata. Uh, yeah. You know, do not uppercase prepositions. You know, I had to fix. 90125 because the owner of a lonely heart was all uppercase. So I had to de lowercase the of and the a. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm borderline. I'm almost obsessive. Uh, I have a lot of just stuff that's 
been in my collection for ages and I just haven't gotten around like running the I have some scripts to do proper title capitalization and things. And I yeah, I have one, run- but it's like it does too much. Like it lowercases like if there are Roman numerals, it lowercases them and stuff. So I need to go back and fix it. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I only run it when it's when the when everything's like particularly egregious. Like if you get uh, a, a song that's all lowercase with the, like the first uh, letter title capitalized. Terrible. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but. That's not talking about the song. <laughs> mm. I have to say about Pink, I mean, she's got her image going for her. And, you know, she has an interesting dynamic where Pink is kind of a girly name, but she also has a very tomboyish uh, look about her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's very pro-independence, girl power, whole thing, and, and kind of punkish in that respect. And so she knows who she is, which is admirable. Yeah, yeah. I can I can respect her. That doesn't necessarily mean I like her work. Yeah, and I I think it's like like with me and like with like like say Lady Gaga. I mean, like I I've often said. That, I mean, there is nothing wrong with a well written pop song, and I mean, I think that she does really well written pop songs, and I don't think that there's any shame in that. I, it's I wouldn't go as far as to say that with with like Pink. You know, maybe you in your hand, but I mean, it's but a lot of it, a lot of um pop songs, you know, by like Katy Perry type folk, just seem really half-assed to me like sort of churned out um and i i i mean i'm not like you know pretending here that like you know lady gaga is you know a tortured artist here you know writing her song lyrics in blood or you know anything you know anything that's like terribly you know from the depths of her soul but Mm. but i mean you know it's still i don't know there's like I, I think you know, it's her her craft is at least a bit better of it. Like sort of, um, sort of like with the monkeys. Like I mean, I love the monkeys because they had really great songwriters. I mean, you know, like Goffin and King um, did a lot of their stuff. Boys and Heart did a lot of their stuff. And I, I, again, I I kind of think of the monkeys in that same sort of way as you know, there is no shame in a very well crafted pop song, and those were. Um, and it just seems that there's a lot of you know similar similarly manufactured bands that. They they don't really do that. It's more, I don't know. That's it's more paint by numbers, I guess, is to to use the cliche. Yeah, that makes sense. I like Katy Perry because I find her extremely attractive, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so basically, <laughs> so, so basically, you're you're pro tits. <laughs> I'm extremely pro tits, um, ladies. <laughs> as if that would do anything for any of our female listeners. Not that we probably have any of those, but um, no, I think she's very beautiful. But um. Pink, on the other hand, doesn't do as much for me. Um, but again, kind of like I think Rich will agree with me here that it's not that I dislike it. It's that it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, and it's I'm con- perfectly content to let her like I'm not, you know, intent on bashing Pink to people that like her. I'm just content to let her, you know, go do your own thing over there. You know, I'll be over here doing something else. Yeah, that, that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put it. I, I've gained a little more respect for her. Let's put it that way, having to actually listen to her. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's a kind of a huge thing. Um, it doesn't assume you have to like it, but I have a lot more respect for it. Again, that the girl power message, which is, yeah, you know, it, it, it's hard to find in popular music, I think. Correct me if I, I'm I, wrong. I, I think so too. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that I found, I've found kind of dodgy. Like again, I mean, not to keep harping on Katy Perry. Um, the spider tits, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, like, I mean, things like you brought those up, Matt. I, <laughs> just let the record show. <laughs> but I mean, stuff like I um, 
I, I kissed a girl. I mean, that's kind of exploitive. That's very attention worry. Yeah, where it's sort of, you know, like, haha, I'm pretending to be a lesbian so my boyfriend will get hard or whatever. Or the song, uh, You're So Gay, which isn't, which, like, is, you know, basically, you know, you're, you're lame, da 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 da, not and using gay as the pejorative, you know, for, for bad or stupid rather than, and I just, I don't know, stuff like that, that bugs, bugs the holy hell out of me. And I, I mean, Again, I mean, I don't really like them as songs, but even if I did, I would find the the messages a little questionable at best. And I don't know, it just stuff like that bothers me. So, I mean, at least like, you know, if, you know, the 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 bunker of Swedes that's putting out Pink's music is at least trying to put out like what I, I consider generally positive messages rather right. than, you know, actually kind of bad or hurtful messages honestly i mean you know i i i like i don't cotton to you know you know using gay as a insult like that either either if you do mean you know you are bad because you were homosexual or even or just you know gay means lame you know right. i just I, either way i i don't i don't cotton to that shit and i i i don't really care so much if she claims you know Oh, well, I've got a lot of gay friends or it's ironic or whatever. It's sort of, I, it just, it don't, it don't wash to me. So I, that's kind of how I see it. And I mean, I guess, you know, there were, I've heard, uh, complaints about, say, like, uh, Born This Way by Lady Gaga as a sort of manufactured to be a gay anthem. And sure, that, 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 you know, honestly, I'm not going to pretend myself and, you know, again, say that she wrote that from the depths of her soul necessarily. But I would rather have like a manufactured gay anthem that says, you know, you know, no matter who you are, if you're, you know, straight, gay, trans, whatever, you're you're a good person and you're born born beautiful and, and that kind of thing. I, I would rather have that manufactured message than, you know, like uh, I kissed a girl. Yeah. It wasn't Katy Perry originally a Christian pop singer, a Christian something uh, singer. In, indeed, she was. Uh, Katy Hudson, I believe, was her CCM name. Yeah. Now that's that's an interesting career change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jessica Simpson kind of went through that whole change. Also, she started in the Christian rock and then got sexy and then disappeared from everybody's consciousness. <laughs> yeah, but then again, we're talking from with someone who did Christian. Uh, gospel music to someone who's doing I kissed a girl and I liked it. <laughs> That's a hell of a shift. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we, and, uh, and honestly, it does kind of color songs like, you know, You're So Gay to it to me. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I figure she's... I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily calling Katy Perry straight up homophobic. Again, I, I think it's kind of... I, I think she's uh, playing with things that she doesn't understand, I think. Hmm. If that if that makes sense without being too condescending. Okay, well, let's uh, let's let's shift t- tax a bit and uh, <laughs> <laughs> awkward shift tits. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've pissed off the uh, Toledo objectivist yes and Katy Perry fans. <laughs> to, to be fair, I don't think we have any Katy Perry fans who listen to this. Um, we, we did ask some people what their guilty music pleasures were, and uh-huh. we got we did get some feedback on that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Um, Charity, uh, PHL girl on Twitter, mentions Britney Spears and Barry Manilow. 
Now that's two. That's two very different sides of a coin there. Well, my grandmother is a huge Barry Manilow fan. Again, doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, I enjoyed looking at Britney Spears in my <laughs> earlier days. You know, I mean, you know, as you do. Um, but then the whole—I don't know—I don't know her her chronology very well. But her whole freak out, mental breakdown, shaved head period—I don't even know if that was a real thing or not. But uh, you know, as far as '90s female pop vocalist, you know, she was pretty good. I've been—I told—I mentioned on Twitter that I've been known to secretly rock out to a couple of songs on that Circus album. <laughs> but again, she's got like the what's that song? If you seek Amy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Where it's F U C F U C K me. I mean, which is a very um, subtle, t- subtle title. <laughs> a very subtle title, <laughs> and uh, you know, very uh, sexually aggressive, shall we say? Um, which is admirable, but uh, you know, again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. In general, I am pro like women, you know, claiming their sexuality. I, I think that's like that is totally. in, in a. I guess I shouldn't have qualified that in general, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I am. I, I think that that is a important thing is, you know, for someone like a, a Britney Spears in her culture, in, in our culture to claim, you know, that sexuality. I, I mean, I haven't heard the, the full song. So, but I mean, if, if, if she is, if she is saying, yes, I am a woman and I enjoy sex, I think that that's a admirable statement. Yes, for sure. Um, I would prefer, you know, my own female friends to be a little bit classier than declaring f-u-c-k me but uh, <laughs> i mean depending on the context but, but uh, <laughs> yeah as yeah, far as I, britney spears goes she can tell me that all she wants yeah and I, I think there the the objection is not so much in the message but in the 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 artlessness of the delivery you know mm. like if, if she had only written a sonnet about how you should fuck her that would be <laughs> that would be different oh boy <laughs> we're going to hell tonight <laughs> we, we, we're running the explicit tag again yeah yeah barry manilow though um yeah i just i just i'm just amused by the contrast on that one yeah i couldn't tell you a barry manilow song if my life depended on it right now copa copa cabana okay okay (laughs) i I was i wasn't sure if that was barry manilow or not because it's no offense a lot of the crooners tend to sound the same to me yes i agree with that yeah (laughs) Uh, Yeah, i'm not a big fan of barry but it's sort of you know like my mom likes him a lot and I think he is talented because it's kind of funny that he's written a lot of jingles. Like, uh, probably, like, I think he's even made the joke that, you know, his biggest hit probably isn't, you know, Mandy or Copa or at the Copa, but, uh, by Menon. <laughs> that was Barry Manilow? Yeah. <laughs> he wrote that. I'm sorry, my head just exploded. Yeah. Uh, over on the Facebook, we've got, uh, two, uh, guilty pleasures. Um, Melissa Gutierrez says, uh, Taylor Swift. She she can have Taylor. I'm not a huge fan. I I guess um, Taylor does write a lot of her own songs, which I do have to you know give credit to. And uh, even though again a little dodgy lyrically, um, I have to say "You Belong to Me" is catchy as hell. I'm just uh, glad that Matt, it out. I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, Matt. But Beyonce was the best <laughs> guilty pleasure of all time of all time. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I had to do that. that. I had to do that. <laughs> Speaking of Beyonce, I, I have to say, uh, Single Ladies is a guilty pleasure of mine, although, uh, apologies to Kanye, I thought the video was really boring and shitty. Hmm. I don't think <laughs> you need to apologize to Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, all of these, I mean, I had a girlfriend who was very into the T-Swift, and, uh, 
it, they all fall into the same, all these female pop, real female pop, pop, pop vocalists all fall into the same category. We're like, you know, do your thing, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay much attention to it. Jeremiah Allworm uh, mentions uh, Tattoo, T-A-T-U, which I know I you're love- a fan of, Matt. Yes. <laughs> um, Jeremiah is actually the, the uh, fellow who's getting married uh, in a couple of weeks, which is, uh, he's the reason why I'm going to be gone from the podcast for a couple of weeks. And we've got so, some great, we've got some so great either, guests to fill in for you. Cool. Yeah. So I guess either, um, yell at him or thank him as your want. <laughs> I'll congratulate um, him. Getting married is a cool thing. Oh, definitely. 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 I just was mainly talking about the, the tearing me away from the podcast then. <laughs> but yes, yeah. af, af, after you congratulate him for getting married to like a really cool lady. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but yeah, I love tattoo again. No shame in a really well written pop song. And, Actually, speaking of Trevor Horn, uh, their first record was produced by him. Oh, wow. And, it all goes full the, circle. Yeah. And the, and the, the funny thing is too is the, um, the second album, uh, sounds a lot like Trevor Horn production except for the one track that Trevor Horn actually produced. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah. My only familiarity with Tattoo is, uh, on a mix you gave me, the, a cover they did of The Smiths' How Soon Is Now. Oh, yeah. Which is, a uh, not only a really great cover, but I'll be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out here. I don't like the Smiths. I don't like Morrissey, but I do like the song "How Soon Is Now," both the cover and the original. Yeah, I, I, I like. I'm, I can tolerate Morrissey. I'm not a huge fan, but to me, like, it seems like a Johnny Marr was the uh, one to watch in the Smiths. Eh, nothing Johnny about the Smiths really appeal. I know, but nothing yeah. about the Smiths really appeal to me except except that song "How Soon Is Now" and that guitar bit, which yeah, yeah, I, yeah credit goes to Johnny Marr for that, but. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I love, uh, tattoo, um, the, the, um, original, I guess originals, not in the, the term that, that, that two themselves wrote, but you know, the ones that were written for them or, or covers of, you know, Smith songs either way. I, I, I really dig them. And, uh, I think that's, unless, uh, you, you saw anything else, I think that's all the, uh, guilty pleasures I saw. So yeah, I don't think I saw it. Um, oh wait, nope. Sorry. Oh. Uh, someone on Twitter, they, they messed up the hashtag. Brian Adams, a gentleman uh, at Bradshaw AJ. So you can have Brian Adams. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Brian Adams, on the other hand, is pretty cool. But Brian, no. I've never been able to get into the Ryan Adams. Just saying. Wait, Ryan Adams or Brian? Uh, that's the I've never two confusing names. Confusing names. Ryan Adams is the what is it? Country? Yeah, kind of country, country rock. rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I think I've tried a couple times, and I, I think I even have his live album or something. Ryan Adams. And I'm trying nope, to deleted. Of, <laughs> and I'm trying to think of uh, what the hell Brian Adams. I, I know the name. I just can't remember any songs by him off the top of my head, which is, which may be for the best. <laughs> yeah. Everything I do, I do it for you <laughs> from that terrible Robin Hood movie. Oh. Well, you know what, though? In that case, some good actually has come from Brian Adams, because guess who did a cover of that? Who? The Fatima Mansions. Oh, well, there you go. And it's good. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that in, up for you guys. Cool. It was actually, I think, the uh, the closest thing to the Fatima Mansions had to a proper hit. Uh, it was a split uh, single uh, um, with Manic Street Preachers, who, di- who were doing a cover of Suicide is Painless, a.k.a. the theme from M.A.S.H. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that actually became a hit. But uh, So the Fatima Mansions sort of got left in the dust there, but um, whether you let... I can't stand the song Everything I Do. 
I do for you, but I love the Fatima Mansions version. It's very irreverent. Cool. So I'm I'm gonna throw that up there for you. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> let me see if there's a, a video of it. I can throw that in the show notes. Um, okay. One other thing that I kind of was thinking about with the the Britney Spears thing too is, uh, did you guys ever see that South Park episode? Um, the the one where uh, it turns out that basically like Britney Spears is like the uh, latest candidate in a sort of basically uh, long running Wicker Man scheme. Uh, I don't think I've, I've seen that seen one. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah really good. It's basically you know they. You know, they, they pick a, you know, a starlet or whatever to, you know, make popular and then basically make destroy herself, you know, the way that, you know, Britney Spears had, you know, basically publicly self-destructed and basically, you know, they, they kill them by taking, you know, constant photographs of them and it, it makes the corn grow. Hmm. I mean, I do feel bad. I mean, it's got to be tough to be, you know, the the princess of pop before you're 20 years old or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Probably a lot to handle. Yeah. I don't know what she's, she's still like doing stuff right now. Yeah. Is yeah. Spears still a thing in yeah, fall. 2012 like Spears will serve as a judge. Oh, she's going to be on the X factor. Oh right? yeah. That's right. That's yeah. Be sure to tune into that. <laughs> Cause yeah. And, and I mean like if you see Amy wasn't too long ago, that was like what last year? I think it was 2008. I think I was just oh. on the Wikipedia article. Reading about the, the, the analysis of the double entendre, which has apparently been compared to the Van Halen album for unlawful oh. something, carnal knowledge. Yeah, for unlawful carnal, carnal knowledge or, uh, I, I was surprised they didn't go with, I think it's Van Halen also, uh, OU812. <laughs> and as also compared to a portion of James Joyce's Ulysses, which, is an egregious comparison. I, I would say so. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I'm not one for you know necessarily you know beating up on on people who you know, but yeah, I I, I think that um as um it's not the same. Yeah, as crass as Joyce could get, I uh, <laughs> I mean you know like I I I don't think that um if you seek Amy is on on Joyce's level. Have you guys seen the James Joyce Dirty Love Letters? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Uh, this guy, out of control. I'm trying to find a link. <laughs> I like <laughs> that they're, they're still really well written, though, even though they're, you know, hella dirty. Naturally. I mean, I took a James Joyce class in graduate school, and I did not read all of Ulysses, but I was um, guided through it by my professor. And that's how I think you have to approach a work like Moby Dick or Ulysses is that you have to be guided through it in order to really survive. Um, yeah. But I found it very enjoyable. I've only gotten uh, halfway through Ulysses myself. Yeah. I mean, it starts off, you know, fairly, we should not talk about Ulysses, but <laughs> it, starts off, it starts off fairly, uh, fairly coherently. And then you get to like chapter three, which is like the first real stream of consciousness chapter. And it's just, or scene three, episode three, I forget. I apologize, literary scholars. But uh, it just goes off the deep end. Well, hey, uh, I, I've at least I've, I've made it two pages into um, uh, Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah, we looked at a passage, like one paragraph from Finnegan's Wake, and it was pretty intense. The love letters of James Joyce is read by Morgan Freeman. This cannot be a real thing. <laughs> oh, God. Please, if that, please throw that in the show. Oh, it's damn. 
Wait, well, hang on. Let me listen to it. Let me skip through here. No, it's not even close. No wonder it has one like and ten dislikes. <laughs> we'll we'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. I'm trying to find James Joyce's dirty love letters. Anyway, can't you can't miss it. Yeah, Kate Beaton did a comic about that. She has a lot of really great comics. Yes. Love letters. Right. Actually, like on, on that comic tip, have you seen the um the the strong female characters thing that she did? <laughs> that that is awesome. Yeah, and the thing is, is have you seen the recent um, cover of Catwoman? Yeah. It's totally strong female characters, only not for laughs, which is kind of weird. <laughs> okay. We got, we, I, think we, I think we've run out of steam. We're, we're, we're officially out of steam because we're all talking about James Joyce now. <laughs> and Kate. Yeah. Well, Kate even deserves to be talked about so. no matter what to- topic the podcast has. Yeah. So, totally. Yeah. It's a good show. Yes. Yeah, I knew we were going to have fun with this one. Uh, um, let's wrap this up. Oh, one more thing, uh, if it's okay if I pimp something out. Um, anyone oh in the Philadelphia area, if you're looking for something to do on Wednesday night and want to see me make a complete and utter fool of myself, uh, I always feel awkward talking about this in front of actual musicians. Uh, I'm competing in the Philadelphia Regionals of the U.S. Air Guitar Competition. It's huge. Awesome. Yes. What song yeah. will you be performing? I'll be doing uh, the Devo song "Girl You Want," ah. which has a really great guitar solo. Yeah, Bob is amazing. Yeah, he's my—he's actually my favorite guitar player. And so I'll be doing—I'll be doing that on stage uh, in front of a crowd of very drunken people, which could include you. It's at Johnny Brenda's on Wednesday, the twentieth. At—I uh, believe the actual show starts at nine, and I think it's only ten bucks to get in. So nice. Go 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 gape at the freaks, including me. Yeah. <laughs> I would not have the balls to do that, but I will say that one of Victor Wooten's uh, quotes of advice is that a child playing air guitar plays no wrong notes, so you can't really go wrong. There you go. Yes. And could, uh, yeah. And if you uh, don't want to go see me making a fool of myself, um, you can still catch up with my. Uh, you can still follow my web. Check out. Eh. You can uh, still check out my, me on Twitter. I'm Sandspoint, S-A-N-S-P-O-I-N-T. My domain is sandspoint.com. I have a Tumblr at wantabreathmint.com. And, uh, yeah, how about you guys? <laughs> I'm at uh, kittysneezes.com, K-I-T-T-Y-S-N-E-E-Z-E-S. I'm also at kittysneezes, or at kittysneezes on Tumblr. Uh, that double at always throws me. And also, you can see me on the on Tumblr at kittysneezes.tumblr.com, where you can see a picture of J.R. Bob Dobbs having tried out and been failed from the Don't Let's Start video. <laughs> and you can find me at andrewmarvin.net and on Twitter at andrewmarvin. And I have a Tumblr as well, uh, andrewmarvin.tumblr.com, where I post assorted Instapaper articles and music videos and miscellaneous media. And, of course, uh, you can follow Crush on Radio on Twitter. We're Crush on Radio. We're on the Facebook if you want to be on the Facebook and uh, like Crush on Radio. And leave us a review in iTunes. Yes, unless please, because you would be the greatest person ever. Yes, Even if you're, you're a Toledo objectivist, Katy Perry slash Yes fan. Yeah. Even if you like Eiffel 65. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, even if you're from, apologies to anyone who lives in Toledo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Great talking to you guys. This was fun. Always. Good one. Yes, I I believe so. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye.